our partner at Barbell. They are actually running a pretty legit uh, sale uh, for what? Memorial Day, Blake? Mm -hmm. Starts May the 22nd. And on this sale for a limited time, you can get any athletic fit jeans, chinos, or the anything pants, which we just got a pair of those the other day. Dude, those the anything are awesome. pants. Yeah. You can get any of that for 99 bucks. Um, you guys have heard us talk about on here before the jeans that Barbell makes. I was searching for a pair of jeans that I could wear to speaking engagements and stuff, but also get out and move in and work in and that were actually comfortable enough to travel in and do whatever I needed to do in day-to-day -day life. That's actually how a big reason why our partnership or relationship with Barbell formed. And uh, they sent me out some of their jeans and I was like, holy crap, these are legit. And actually, when Barbell sent me out their pair of jeans, I actually ordered a couple other pair of, uh, pairs of jeans from other from their biggest competitors, and I tried them all, and the Barbell jeans were above and beyond better than the other ones that I ordered. I wanted to do that intentionally, and they are legit. So 99 bucks, well, you so can get some of those. That started May 22nd. That's already happened. When does it end? I don't know. Probably after Memorial Day. You better get on it, son. Oh, between. Uh, it's still running. Yeah. Yeah, so get on there if you want to take advantage of it. And also part of this sale, they're offering 40% off on their overstock items. Um, remember, they offer a year-long guarantee. Uh, they back up their clothing, no questions asked. For a year, 365 days, if anything happens to the clothing, they'll help you repair it or replace it so you can get back after it. Can't hardly beat that, son. A year long. You can't beat that. Yeah. So they've been awesome partners, and we're thankful for them, for who they are, for what they represent, for putting out an awesome product, um, for being a part of 307 Project. We got the documentary coming out soon yep. about Cocodona. The We're calling it One Mile Out. Uh, again, that documentary, that whole thing is brought to you and was made possible by Barbell and Hoist. Yep. Hey, they didn't have to do that. You talk about a huge investment into bringing something that's going to be powerful, impactful, and meaningful to all of you guys just because they made that happen. And it was a big investment. Big yeah. investment. <laughs> That's a powerful partner. Yeah. Yeah. So And they make good stuff. I love those dang pants. Well, man. yeah. The dang those... pants are awesome. If I can fly in a pair in a pair of jeans, because I gotta wear comfortable stuff when I fly, man. Yeah, we flew back in jeans. Yeah. We flew to Arizona and back wearing our barbell jeans and comfortable the whole time. So um check them out at barbellapparel.com. I guarantee you. You won't be disappointed. Upon you, we're back live. Re hit, just hit record on the 307 podcast. Welcome back to this week's episode. What the crap is up, YouTube? We're glad you're here. We're glad you guys are joining in. If you're tuning in on the um, just the audio version, we're glad you're here too. We know some of y'all folks have to work for a living and 
you can't always tune in to the lives. Um, but I think most people that watch YouTube a lot, they're pretty much like on disability or homeless or caramel weeds on here. There you go. Caramel weed. What the heck, man? I'm always, I'm always wondering like, when people tune into the live YouTube at eleven thirty, like are they on their lunch break or? Yeah, man. What are they? People get like an hour for lunch. Well, yeah, I guess so. You retired. Think- this guy here, Jared Ferguson, he's retired. Jared, I'm retired too, man. <laughs> that retired life, son, I love it. You think they're on disability? Well, I think a lot of them are on disability or like, um, you know, just maybe living in their mom's basement. Accountants, we got it. Rent. Oh yeah, there's probably a lot of accountants, insurance salesmen, rent collectors. Said he's a landlord, so he ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, rent collector, you ain't got to worry about it until somebody's daggone pipes burst or their water heater goes out. Yeah. Um. Well, dang man, I'm happy to be back on the podcast today. You know, if you haven't joined us here on the Three of Seven podcast, if you don't know, I think a lot of you guys probably. Do listen to the 307 podcast, but since we generally don't ever even talk about what 307 Project is, I'm imagining there's probably thousands of people who listen to this that that don't even know kind of what we do outside of sitting here and talking on the podcast. We actually do a lot more stuff than just host a podcast. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna get to talk a little bit about that stuff on today's episode. And this is kind of a rare opportunity for us to do so. The, the core, really the core of what we do here at 307 Project is we get to train, I believe the best of the best human beings in the world. So we, we're a training company and content creators. Is mm. that right, Chili? <laughs> I guess. Okay. Is that how you want to say it? Well, I don't know. I'm asking you, man. I mean, that, and so that's a big reason why we call 307 Project a project. Because I don't think anybody even really knows what it is. It just kind of it just kind of morphs through the years, right? It's just a thing. It's just this thing, right? But... The cool thing about 307 Project is because we get to train with people, we have this massive network that I refer to as the body of 307 Project. There are hundreds of people out there who we have actually spent real time with doing hard things. We've developed this massive network of relationships through the training missions that we conduct. Uh, And that's one of, I think, if not the most unique and to me special aspects of 307 Project in comparison to other content creators uh, and and brands and stuff that you see out there, right? We have these real friendships and relationships and these real memories and and literally hundreds and hundreds of stories uh, that have been created 
through the training aspect of what we do here at 307 Project. And we actually just this past weekend did a brand new mission. It was my brainchild. I was out on a backpacking trip with my wife a few months ago, and I had this epiphany that came to me. This idea for this training mission that I called the Rite of Passage or the ROP course. A lot of you guys have probably heard of it if you listen to the podcast very much. And so this past weekend, that vision that I had for that course was brought to life by the 13 team members who completed that mission. And that in and of itself is very, very special to me. I I don't know. I'm I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to this. When you have this this idea, you formulate it in your mind, you put the work into actually, uh, you know, putting some, some, some bones and structure to it. And then you actually see it come to fruition and you see it happen and you see it produce the fruit that you wanted it to produce or you thought that it would produce. That is a very, very cool feeling. Okay. So that in and of itself was cool, but this rite of passage mission for me it is just, it's so right in my lane. Everything about this rite of passage mission is just, it's just right down in the core of what I love doing personally in terms of challenge, environment, um, the simplicity of it, but the difficulty finding difficulty in a very simplistic task and and the the time it takes for it to unfold and produce the fruit that it needs to produce everything about it was just man it's all me right <laughs> and uh and then the other cool thing about it because this mission was so difficult in terms of physical and mental challenge. I believe it's, ah, I'll, I'll let Bean and, and, and Brooks give their perspective on it here in a minute, but it's, it's one of the most difficult in terms of just sheer physical challenge, difficult missions that we run. And what it did afterwards, I felt a very strong connection to the men who brought this thing to life and who accomplished it. Right, and always feel I always feel connected to the people that we train with, but the connection that you have with people deepens as the intensity of the the difficulty, the pain, as those things increase the connection that you're going to feel with the people who you are there with, walking through that with, that connection is going to deepen as the intensity of the pain and the difficulty increases. And I hear somebody talking somewhere. Where's that coming from? 
I, I don't know. It's I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> um, anyways, so that the lot of unique things about this happen, and me, I, this podcast, I'm uh, maybe I'm being a little um, maybe I'm being a little selfish here. You can't go anywhere, Blake, because you're you're running this. Do you? Do you the podcast is playing back, playing back on somebody's phone. What the crap, man? Oh. <laughs> It's you, isn't it? Pause. <laughs> Holy crap, man. <laughs> what an idiot. Thank you, tech guy. Dude, he was getting so mad, and it was him. Thank you, tech guy. Thank you there. Uh, yeah, you're slipping, man. Dude. So, you tighten up. So selfishly, I, I wanted to have two team members from this past rock <laughs> mission, Team 001, come on the podcast today and talk about their experience. I want to I get some feedback from them. Uh, because yeah, I feel very connected to, to all of these dudes and, um, you know, our, our man Bean here, you guys are going to get to hear from Bean here in a little bit. Bean is this dude that came into our lives out of nowhere. Uh, you know, he's, he's just this old Mexican dude and <laughs> he just shows up out of nowhere in our, Mexican. <laughs> in our lives and, Expanding. Uh, <laughs> and and he has poured so much into me, um, just speaking wisdom and life into me, uh, expounding on the scriptures and 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 uh, and speaking really prophetic words into my life. He he's trained with us now multiple times throughout the year. So he's done the Proving Grounds, the basic course, and now the Rite of Passage. So me and Bean have done a lot of work together. Um, and he's given back to me I uh, more probably than I've given to him, just in words of encouragement and words of wisdom. And and uh, it's, it's, it, that's, that's one reason we want Bean on, on, on here. Um, I could we could sit down here and do a three hour podcast just with Bean alone and not even talk about the rite of passage course, and so you're going to get to hear from Bean, and then you're going to get to hear from Brooks Cobb, and so Brooks totally different than Bean. This is the first time we've met Brooks. Brooks never trained with us before. Uh, we've never met him in person. He shows up to the ROP course, and what really stood out so many things stood out to me about Brooks but one just really tangible thing is Brooks there was a moment in the mission late late where Brooks was I would say the only one who was still in the like yeah. tangibly in the fight yep like it had it, it, it everybody else was in a low point and Brooks was still in the fight, encouraging, reaching out, coaching people, his teammates through. And we're talking about in the in the 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 darkest hours of the night. And that really stood out to me about this man. And and many other things too. Just an enjoyable human being to be around. Um and, and I can say that about Everyone that was part of this team were all awesome human beings, but yep. obviously we can't have 15 people on the podcast at once. So we're going to talk to these two guys and get some feedback from them and just let them share about their experience some. If you're wondering, if you haven't heard about the Rite of Passage course, this mission is very simple. 
It starts on a Saturday, and it's a 24-hour long mission. The objective is simply to move as a team continuously through difficult terrain here in northwest Georgia, the wilderness, to move through that environment for 24 hours straight. That's the mission. And there's so many reasons for this. One, I think we need something. We need a rite of passage in our lives that we can go out we can go through it, and it gives us a memory. It gives us an experience that we can then look back on for the rest of our lives when crap's getting hard and maybe we're not getting the right amount of sleep because we've got other crap going on in life. Somebody's sick. Somebody's hurt. Business is is is, is really busy. Whatever it is, right? And we're thinking, man, I only got four hours of sleep last night. Well, you, you, you get this experience that you can look back on and say, well, yeah, this kind of sucks, but it didn't suck near as bad as that, and I made it through that, okay? So that's one reason for the, the design and the name of this. Uh, and, and then I've always said there's three things that every human should do in their lifetime. Uh, one is jump out of an airplane. Two is ride a bull. And three is run a 100-mile race. And the reason I say the 100-mile race is not, it has nothing to do with the 100 miles. It has to do with moving through that 24-hour period continuously. That's the hard part. It's not necessarily the distance that's the hard part. It's the moving through that entire day, an entire night, all the way to the next morning, and realizing that your body and your mind is capable of making that happen. It really shifts your perspective on what you're capable of. So there's a little background on that. Bean, what's happening, Bean? Am I talking to a good chat or crazy chat right now? Uh, well, you know what, Bean? You're going to be extremely happy to hear this. Sir, you were right. My feet were not ready for the rite of passage. <laughs> so, uh, Bean, are you happy to hear? I mean, aren't you happy to hear that my feet weren't I, ready? I, that it, that makes me very, very happy. Um, you know, man. I mean, the way up is down, right? So before before the crown, you got to go through humility. And if you acknowledge that your feet weren't ready, man, that's a good thing. So all I could all I could think to myself when we began this rite of passage was. This man just completed 250-mile run, and he's going to come stand on his feet for 24 hours. I was, I was concerned if you were going to do some more damage to those feet. But I'm sure that Blake, you know, being the great little brother that he is, he probably got you home and massaged them and lathered them and, you know, took care of them, right? Oh, well, leave that up, Brooke. <laughs> so it probably didn't happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm just continuing to let my entire uh, foot. I, I'm I'm starting off. I'm starting off a new bean. Uh, I'm starting off now with brand new feet. Mm. Um, I'm almost to the point where all of my old feet have peeled off, and now I get to. It's like um, it's like if you would have taken a a newborn baby out on the rite of passage and forced them to move for 24 hours on their their brand new feet you know a, a newborn baby's feet are real nice and callous so you should be ready for something 
So I just had to give Bean a little satisfaction that um, you are correct, Bean. My feet were not ready for that. Bean was really, really giving me a, a, a massive amount of crap throughout the course of this mission, uh, trying to really trying to give me a taste of my own medicine. Um, so, Bean, I got a question for you. Shoot. We've trained a lot together, all right? We've spent time in the wilderness on the basic course. Uh, you guys had a really good, uh, I think, impactful proving grounds mission. And um, you're showing up to this rite of, rite of passage course. You've trained with us in the past. We've done all this stuff together. Uh, what were your expectations for this course? And, and did they meet your expectations or, or did it turn out to be something completely different than you expected it to be? That's a great question uh, because you're right. I had already done the, the two previous events with you, the proving ground and the basic course. And both of those are difficult um, to go through in respectively, right? Because they are different and you are learning a different set of skills with each one. And when you first mention the rite of passage event, uh, when you first brought this up and I heard about it and I thought, I thought to myself at that time, if this is going to be a real rite of passage uh, event, then it's going to be very, very difficult and it may very well or should be more difficult than the other two events that I've done with the 307 project. And the reason I say that I mean, for those who might be listening, if you're not familiar with rite of passage and what that all means, rite of passage is a ceremony that, or ceremonies that they've been around for, for as long as the, as the earth has existed. And they still exist in certain cultures. Uh, rite of passage are extremely important, especially for young men in certain societies. And they all may look different, but it is a significant mark in time where you're taking a youth and in essence uh, trans trans you know transferring them into adulthood or manhood if we're dealing with a male which a lot of rite of passage uh, events are all about that so when you said that i thought uh-oh um this guy may have something up his sleeve because it was going to be the first time you said that you ever did it so i was prepared for something that was going to be more difficult, right? Um, in the previous two uh, events that I went to, and it was, it was more difficult for me personally. I know, and I know there's a context for everything. And sometimes once you're removed, I'm, I'm months removed from the proving ground, obviously, but um, so context plays a role, but I'm just coming out of this and being able to compare it to the proving ground or the basic course, which are both difficult respectively, this was different. Uh, I had never moved for 24 hours on my feet. Ever. I've been up for 24 hours, but not on, not on my feet moving. And it sounds easy, but it's not. It gets difficult, especially depending on the terrain that you're covering. So it was most definitely difficult uh, to accomplish. And I would say it is the most difficult thing that I've ever done uh, physically in my life. Uh, I've, I've had some time to think about it. I think, I think it is. Um, there are other things that are more difficult that I've done in my life, but they're a completely different context. I'm just talking about 
something that is requiring the physical stamina, the mental stamina, the spiritual stamina throughout the course of a period of time, 24 hours, it was the most difficult for sure. Um, and I thank God that I had Brooks with me at the very end because he saved my life. I mean, he really did. He got, he, he got me through. So it was great. And then one little thing that I'll add um, about 307, because I've had multiple opportunities to talk about you guys to others that I know. And my best definition for the 307 project at this point um, that I communicate to others is that, look, I tell them 307 is, is a, it's an organization, but it's a Christian human development company is what they are. And they mature. They focus on maturing the mind, the body, and the spirit. That's who they are. Wow. And I leave it at that. If you want to check it out, go to 307project.com, right? And you can figure it all out because there's just too much that they get involved with, right? And it's going to be difficult to explain. I had a young, a young, uh, young man with me this morning and uh, somebody that I'm training um, who's actually spent most of his life as a missionary in the Congo. Uh, we grew up there. I mean, he's, he's 18 years old right now. And he's like, his, his mother is third or fourth generation missionary in the Congo. And so he knows a little bit about my life. And uh, he said, so what happened this weekend? <laughs> I start telling him and his mouth falls open a little bit, right? And he starts asking questions immediately. He's engaged in it, right? It's great. And it's great to see, right? Uh, He's obviously grown up in a harsher environment than in the U.S. So some of it, some of the concepts are not foreign to him. But nonetheless, uh, he had questions. Uh, what did you do for this and for that? So, yeah, it was all that. That's wonderful. Thank you, Bean. And I'm going to have to write down that um, that explanation you gave of 307 Project, as you put it so eloquently and I think accurately uh, a Christian, uh, basically human development, developing the body, soul, and spirit organization, and I, I love that man. It's great that um, it's great that you guys that that are that are participating and contributing and listening from the outside uh, can define what 307 Project actually is, even more clearly and articulately than we can here on the inside, that means that we're doing our job properly. So <laughs> I like that you can define it that way, Bean. That was very beautifully beautifully put. And uh, I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to give you some time here in just a minute, Bean, to kind of unpack uh, your personal experience out there on Rite of Passage and, and uh, give kind of the points uh, of uh, what you would what you would add uh, in terms of value that you got out of it and when it got hard and what, what was, what was um, meaningful to you about it. And you can kind of unpack that here in a minute, but I want to go over to Brooks and ask him kind of the same question because Brooks is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Brooks has never met us before, never trained with us before. He's walking into a completely foreign environment. Uh, he has no idea what to expect. And so I want to send it over to Brooks and, and get his perspective going into this thing. Um, is it, Brooks, what you 
Is it what you expected? Did it achieve what you what you wanted to achieve, or was it something totally different than you expected it to be? Uh, ha- having walked into this thing without ever spending time with us before. Uh, well, I've spent a lot of time looking at what you guys do, seeing how you guys train, uh, who you train is that's not part of it. You don't let us know things. You don't let us know what the course details are. You don't let us know really what the expectations are going to be other than we're moving for the 24 hours with this particular uh, evolution. So I I had to break it down any way I could to, to come up with some kind of training plan to, to get myself together for this so I could perform at a level that I wanted to hold myself to and had held myself to in the past. Uh, we spoke a lot about uh, losing rudders and, and sailing terminology and, and how I've just been kind of out there on the, on the sea rudderless. I'm still buoyant and bobbing and moving, but uh, the winds have kind of taken me where, where they want without that rudder. And uh, th- this mission started the day you released that, that uh, ROP mission statement um, and opened it to applicants. I was immediately, the, the next thing I did was pick up my phone and start writing in my notes and putting my application together. Um, and, and that was when that course started for me. Uh, th- this was chess against Chad Wright, man. This was 3D chess against a masterful player. And I wanted to see, uh, you know, if I could come up with, with what would I do if I was planning this? And uh, it, it broke down to finding a 24-hour uh, event that took place that had a, a maximum output, and that was pretty much these backyard races. Um, and I studied what the runners were doing to prepare. I studied what, how they were uh, coming into their pit stops and how they were taking care of themselves. And I broke this down on every level that I could so that I could practice, practice, practice. I'm in the low country of uh, South Carolina, which means – we've got about 15 feet elevation gain total. So I felt I was at a, a distinct disadvantage not having the, uh, without having to travel quite a distance, not having that terrain to, to work with. So I had to supplement strength training and uh, stair climbing and, and I did what I could to, to get some form of elevation. Uh, it, it was not enough for what you guys threw at me that night and throughout the rest of the team. Um, that's where I felt, you know, I could have improved some, but, uh, as far as the rest of it, I felt pretty well prepared, uh, if not over prepared in a, in a number of the areas. Uh, and that was by design. I've spent a lot of time in the wilderness as a, as a younger man, uh, even in my teens and, uh, have been to some pretty out there places and, and carried a lot of weight to get out there. Um, so I've, I've been through similar type of situations. It's just been a long time, and it was not the same body I was taking out there as when I was 18 years old. And I think that was the biggest shock to it all. <laughs> yeah, Brooks, uh, you, you, I, I could tell right off the bat, um, first of all, it was interesting seeing you show up because you showed up, you got caught in Atlanta traffic, you showed up an hour late, you had missed pretty much the whole in brief and 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 you sh- you're showing up right at the bat and you're getting tossed into this situation 
where you've missed most of the pertinent information that the rest of your team uh, has received, and it's 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 a little chaotic for you right off the bat, man. Um, and so, as the mission, my first my first kind of perspective of you showing up like that was, oh man, this guy's this guy's gonna be a little bit uh, you know, he's he might get a little haywire, you know. But uh, but after we we got out in the backcountry and we were moving through that environment, I would hear you say little things. I'd hear you give little tips to people. I watched the way you you handled your gear, the way you handled yourself, the way you moved, and I said, okay, this guy knows what he's doing out here. He he's he's been out here. He he he's been out in the backcountry quite a bit. Like I can tell, he he knows what he's doing. He's gonna be all right. Um. I want to turn it over to Chili real quick. Uh, we got Chili on the podcast. I know I've been doing the talking the entire time. I'm sorry. I was really excited about this episode, Bean Brooks. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you guys coming on and doing this. And I don't care if nobody else listens to this episode because I personally was excited about this episode to hear back from you guys it really fills me up to get to touch base with you guys after this is over and you've had some time to process it and and let me know let us know if what we're doing is is on par with with what we think we're doing um it's special to me so i want to hand it over to you chili ask these guys any questions you got on your mind man well for, chili was out there with us too well first i wanted to um i wanted to ask you because i was going to say it just a second ago but did you you know that did you notice how brooks handled that chaotic situation that night like it didn't phase him i noticed that immediately the only thing i noticed that night when 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 we were getting ready to depart the 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 camp area where they were in i noticed the team was under the pavilion and they were talking the other 12 yeah and i noticed brooks was kind of over in the pine tree setting up his tent and that made me worried about him more because i thought oh man like he hasn't quite gotten integrated yet and i think he doesn't feel integrated because he did show up late and he got inserted into this environment that had already started to develop. So that was what I saw. I wasn't worried about it. I was, I remember distinctly being impressed with how he showed up, you know, showing up late sucks. You can't do nothing, you know, the Atlanta traffic and all that crap. And then just how he seemed to not even, not even bother him, just show up and ask me a few questions. Just was like, ah, good to go. I was just like, that's pretty impressive. But anyway, that was my perspective on that. So good job, Brooks, for that, for uh, handling that curveball well um but yeah i don't know i think um i think the main question i always wonder after an event is how did that match up with what you expected going in and that's pretty much what what you just asked but um yeah now i I mean i would be curious to move into the mission and kind of in whatever order they want to go hear from both of them to to maybe this is jumping ahead too far but i would like to know the moment where it changed for you and what i mean by that is like 
you had your expectations or, or whatever, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying the mission got started, and obviously it was really easy for, I mean, at least a little while. Depending whether, on who you were. I mean, well, yeah, whether it was 10 minutes or 10 hours, it was easy to a point. I mean, it, it had to have been, you know. So, like, what was the moment, not necessarily your lowest moment, but where was the moment that it that you thought to yourself, huh? <laughs> and that makes a lot of sense to me, but it may not make sense to you. So if you need me to clarify what I mean by that, let me know. But I just, I'd like to hear from either one of you about what was the moment you, you, you know, you go, huh, <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and so I'm going to turn it over to, we'll let Bean kick this off. And Bean, you, you can kind of, you can kind of unpack this however you want. You can go straight to that moment, or you can kind of give the lead up to it. Sure. Uh, so unpack it however you want, Bean, and then Brooks will 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 have you follow up. And also, Bean, as you're going through this, you guys can go back and forth with each other if you want to. But I want to turn the conversation over to you guys for a little bit, just to uh, just to unpack that leading up to that. You know, eventually answering that question that Chili just asked. Man, uh, there's so much to unpack. I mean, and just to give the listeners an idea, okay, of how much there is to unpack. No, no joke. Um, we left there on Sunday. Brooks and I, I was traveling home by automobile, and Brooks and I got on a phone call uh, Monday morning, like, it might have been like, what, Brooks, 7.30 a.m. Eastern time? We, we talked for three and a half hours, man. Wow. Okay. Praise the Lord. Three and a half, yeah. Three and a half hours. And I know that Brooks also, after that, later that day, he spoke with Michael Majors for at least another three hours. That's that's how much this event uh, touches our lives, right? Uh, just so that when you talk about unpacking something, it's like, shoot, man, very difficult to unpack this because there's so much. But- Let's give it a shot, right? Um, when I come into something like this with three of seven now, it's the third time. It's all about maturity. It's about my it's about my personal maturity. My expectations is that I am here to mature mentally, you know, physically, spiritually, and my spiritual life is of utmost importance to me. But I see all of these things interplaying: the physical body, the mind, the spirit, right? So I want to be mature. I want to grow up. I'm not done and I won't be done until I'm dead, right? And even then I won't die, I'll live. <laughs> you know, I'll live in Christ. So it's it's all about that for me. I So I went into this um, being as mentally prepared as possible uh, under a lot of different, you know, business circumstances that I was going through. And uh, wanted to get, you know, that maturity. I knew that it was going to get difficult. There's just, there's no doubt about it. Don't know at what point it's going to get difficult for me. And I don't know at what point it's going to get difficult for another individual that's participating in the event. Just know it's going to happen. And um, to go straight to Chili's point, when did it get difficult for me personally? It got difficult in the second half of the game, and I'll, and I'll tell you why in a second here. So I learned from 
previous events or a previous event with with the 307 team that hey bean you need to take trek you know trekking poles with you you need to use those those are those are a nice a nice gift right so i got myself some trekking poles and i had a plan of when i was going to pull those out because in the beginning of the game it's all you know fun and games right we're having a good time uh fresh stay time ain't no big deal we're good matter of fact chad and i had some good conversations in the first quarter of the game yeah it's good no problem man no problem but i had already predetermined that i was no matter how i felt i'm pulling out those trekking poles in uh on the second half of the game right and um i had seen one of our teammates eric uh eric roberts he was using his trekking poles from the very beginning and robert's in great shape eric eric roberts is in great shape right and uh he had those out from the beginning i was just kind of like smart man maybe i should pull mine out right and stuff is what i thought um but then as the event went on uh we had one of our our teammates that was getting into some trouble uh and he was starting to hurt physically and that was probably maybe it was early on actually but it wasn't until maybe what i'll just call the second quarter of this event that i got my trekking poles out and i walked up um to the front where he was at and i said hey man you're going to use these trekking poles right for the rest of this event you need these these are going to help you they're going to help the team and um you know got his backpack off of him and all of that and redistributed it right to the team, took his water bottle and walked with him for a little bit. But my point is, is once I gave up those trekking poles, there was no way I was going to ask for them back. Right. Mm. And so I knew right there that I was going to pay a higher cost on my feet. And my weakest link is my feet. I already knew that going in. Um, it wasn't my legs. It was going to be my feet. that were going to mm. give me trouble. And so that that was the first thing that jacked with my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it got in my head, and I was I was turning it off and okay, mm. and talking back to it. No, right. And but it was definitely in the second half, and I would say late into the third quarter of the game that that's when it was getting the most difficult for me. There was a point in time where we crossed a body of water, and uh, you all know how I feel about water crossings, right? With my feet now. <laughs> I made that clear. So uh, I, uh, that's when it got worse, right? Mentally challenging, all of it. For me personally, that's when it got more difficult. And and it, it was also that as well that I have to give uh, Brooks all the credit in the world and all the praise in the, in the world because he really helped me stay mentally engaged uh, regarding my feet. Yeah. Because I, I told him, man. And he helped me. He was speaking life into me. He was speaking life into me. And I needed that word, that spoken word coming into me. And I was able to just continue, continue, continue. Right? Just a little little thing, but made a huge difference for me. How, so I, yeah. Yeah. How well do you think you were combating that in your own head before Brooks started to really, really help you? Because we, we were you know chad and i both were back there really paying attention to that and i'm wondering like how well 
you would say you were combating that on your own before he stepped in. Yeah, because Bean, you spent a lot of time in in prayer out loud. Me and Chili were back there watching you, and you were just crying out to the Lord. Uh, I mean, obviously not 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 in 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 a, in a um, you know a flagrant way, but you you spent a lot of time in prayer out loud in that second quarter. Uh, I, I got to see that quite a bit, and that was I loved watching that man. So. Back to Chili's question. How well do you think you were combating that before Brooks stepped in? Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. And I would say that before Brooks started helping me, if I was just using 100% kind of as a scale as far as combating it, maybe I was like at 50%. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably where I was. And I had been asked by some other teammates, like, what are some hacks, you know, that I use, you know, when I, this was before we started, you know, when I'm, I go out and I do something like this and I tell them, and I told my swim buddy this, I believe, uh, who was Tate, I said, Hey, you might hear me. Cause I was, I was behind him. I said, so don't, don't, don't freak out, but you may hear me doing some deep breathing, you know, routines that I do. Uh, that's, that's part of what I do, uh, in order to to basically nourish my physical body and, and my soul and my mind and everything, clear my head. So you may hear that doesn't mean anything's wrong. Um, you may hear me praying out loud, right? You may hear me quoting scripture. You may, you may all that, but those are real tools that I use even in, in my daily life, not just with three or seven. I do that, you know, um, and they help me. They always have, you know, the grace of God has always, has always been there for me. And so, yeah, that's what you were hearing. And because I was like, I was in a difficult spot and I'm like, I'm praying and I'm crying out to the Lord for more power, more strength, right? Because my end game is I'm going to finish. Mm. <laughs> I am going to finish this thing, but it's not going to be uh, under my own power, but I'm going to give it all I got, right? So I would say about 50% chilly uh, before Brooks jumped in, you know, to help me. Well, it's funny. It, it To me, it just shows the the you know there's clearly a huge power in a teammate stepping in to help you and you could also look at it like like you know brooks was the answer to the prayers that you were that that you were yeah sending right i mean he that that was the answer i mean that you know it's i don't know it's just very interesting how all that unfolded to me that was probably the the most stark example of the team coming together even though that was primarily between you two um just of the whole time that that just well and that that was the instance that we really got to see too chili because you know by that point we're letting the team move at their own pace and we're in the back yeah and all this was happening in the back so i'm i'm sure there were other examples of this that happened within the team that, that we just missed but I'm but just yeah, saying for me. Yeah, we got to see that one play out in real time. And and, and it was so amazing to watch Brooks step in and, and provide that selfless service to his, his fellow teammate without any request. No, no, uh, Bean didn't ask him to do that. Mm-mm. He just stepped in and just, he saw a need. He stepped in to, to fill that void that he saw was there, and he he mustered the strength to do that. That was a, just a beautiful example, man. This 
it's why we train to see moments like that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I gotta, I gotta say something about that real quick. Cause he, obviously the listeners that are listening to this, they, they, uh, they don't have the full context. So number one, Brooks was an answer to my prayers, Chili. Yeah. I even, I even believe I told you Brooks that the next day when we were talking on the phone or at some point, man, you are the answer to my prayer. And not only that, uh, uh, I got to, I got, you know, Brooks was so transparent with me opening up his life and answering questions. We got to talk, you know, I got to learn about Brooks and there was, there was things that we had in common and stuff. And, and I knew, I knew the, this is God's gift to me. This guy right here, right now, Brooks. Now, before Brooks came uh, to me in the second half of that game, late in the game, we were broken up into two squads and our, our squad had six members in it. And my swim buddy was Tate. He was right in front of me. And I was at the back of the line, all right, our file. Brooks was in front of Tate. But when Brooks knew that I was going to a bad place, he dropped all the way back. And he came back to the back of the line, and he stayed there behind me. And that's when he began serving me. He was really loving his neighbor. And for context, again, for the listeners, and I won't let, I'm not going to steal Brooks' thunder. He could talk about it. But. Brooks, I saw Brooks' feet, I think after the second quarter, because he had to do some patchwork on his feet. And by the way, guys, uh, those of you listening, guys and girls, we weren't allowed to sit down at all. And after you've been on your feet for so long, um, you want to sit, but also just squatting down or kneeling down is painful. You know, your, your legs are tightening up or whatever, but I knew Brooks' feet were in worse shape than my feet. They, I saw them. I saw them. And I knew the man was suffering. But he went to another place. He was able to lock it out. And from that position he was in, mentally, he was able to feed me. Overflow. Yeah. From the reservoir that he had, he had extra to give. And that was the beautiful, beautiful thing to experience and to receive from him. The, it was an overflowing cup coming out of Brooks at that moment, right? So, yeah, um, it was great. Yeah, go ahead, Chili. Well, I was just going to transition to Brooks, and because that flows so well, I'd like you to kind of give your perspective on on that, uh, your your side of of that but also i think it coincides well with i'd like to even ask you a different question than what i asked being uh and because i feel like that moment with him lasted a long time and it kind of coincided with a moment where the whole team was almost not able to i feel like for a moment you were the only one who really had the ability to keep moving forward and give to your fellow teammates and there was some, you know, other people were strong. I mean, I can distinctly remember, like Bean said earlier, Eric was strong the whole time, and 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 Ryan and 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 everybody was still, you know, in it and moving. But you really had more to give. So, just speak on that, your perspective of that that time and yeah. what was going through your head. And there's an art to that. There's an art that come that I think that comes a lot with experience too. I think there are other people who had also had more to give. They just didn't necessarily know how to tap that. Right. 
So uh, before we turn that over to Brooks, I want to make mention of something that Bean just said, uh, the answer to his, his prayers that he, when he was uh, spending time in prayer. You know, so many times we, we seek God in prayer and we come to him with our needs and our weaknesses and, and the things that we're struggling with in life. And our expectation so many times when we come to God is for him to provide some supernatural, uh, all of a sudden boost of energy or, or, or this all of a sudden this supernatural purpose or this supernatural direction. This All of a sudden this thing just shows up and fills us up right from out of nowhere when in all reality, the God, God, the creator of the universe is a, is a supernatural being. He created this universe and actually everything that we see around us is supernatural. The man that's standing beside you, his existence, his physical body, everything that, that makes up everything that we see around us is supernatural. We take it for granted because we see it, right? We can feel it it we can touch it and we it, and so we call it the natural and here's the thing god will answer your prayer he will meet your needs he will he will keep his promises to you but stop always looking for some supernatural moment for something that's outside of of your your explanation to pop in and change your situation you need to look for the answer to your prayer god a lot of times will work and answer your prayers through what we call the natural through somebody beside you coming alongside you and providing what you were asking for and that in and of itself we, we, we take that for granted because we think, well, we just expect something to come out of nowhere. And it's like, no, the thing that you needed was provided, but you're not appreciating it. You're not acknowledging it. You're not giving credit to the fact that what you needed was provided unto you because it came from the natural. The supernatural God that we serve will work through the natural nine times out of ten to meet your needs. That's how he operates. Uh, Being you can dispute me on that. You're a much more mature and wise man in terms of your relationship with God. But, you know, that's just a, a such a cool example of the need that that being had being met through the natural through something tangible but all the while being a supernatural substance if that makes any sense to anybody i don't know uh, absolutely uh, i completely agree you know it reminds me of the of the story of the man that's out there in the middle of the ocean drowning right and he's he's praying for god to save him to, to rescue him basically supernaturally right and somebody comes by and and says, hey, man, let me get you out of that water, you know. And No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Because he's waiting for God to supernaturally save him. Yeah. And second guy comes, same same thing happens. It happens a third time. Guy ends up drowning, stands before God, and he says, God, what happened? I I, I prayed that you'd save me. because man, I sent you three people. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, does it matter 
what their race is or what their religion is or what any of it is. I mean, really, it doesn't matter. And I love what you said, uh, Chad. The, the human being standing next to me is, is a representation of supernatural power made by a supernatural God, right? Gifted with, with, with things that can help me. And so, and Brooks helped me. I mean that sincerely. I mean, Brooks knows it. I mean it sincerely from the bottom of my heart. He helped me. And I'll, I'll never forget that help. And I'll never forget that example so that I might use it with someone else, right? Because it's, it's always about paying it forward. It's always about giving it away. It's like, I'm not to keep this to myself. I'm to give it away. And so I'm very grateful to Brooks for the way he gave, he gave himself away to me. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much, Bean. And yeah, I'm going to turn it over to you now for a little while, Brooks. Unpack your uh, your experience in whatever way you want to, and 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 then leading up to Chili's question, you know, giving some context around that moment we've been discussing for the last 15 or so minutes. So, yeah. I think uh, you nailed it, Chad. When I came in late and I was over there setting up my tent, um, I was not integrated into a, a team that had already started integrating together. Uh, I felt that 100%. I get halfway through my tent. I see what's going on under the pavilion. And uh, I, I realized I was uh, not paying enough attention to what was going on around me. I was too focused on going through my motions to get my, uh, my just to, to run out my plan. And um, at that moment, I stopped myself and, and went over and sat down, got my notebook out and started taking notes about what was being said. Uh, started asking questions so I could could get some of the answers that I missed because yeah I missed everything, um, and I think there was a, a few uh, a few moments where people were just hesitant. They were focused on what they were doing and they didn't really want to share that information out for whatever reason. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't ill willed or anything. I just think uh, honestly, if I was the thirteenth, if if I wasn't the last guy to show up and someone else showed up late. I'd look at him like, who is this clown? And, and what is he going to, what else is he going to do wrong? Cause uh, I was looking at, we got 25 hours with you guys, 24 on the trail and one in the meeting. And I've already blown one twenty-fifth of that experience. So I was pretty angry at myself, man. I was uh, just, just felt like I missed a lot. And I, I did. I felt like I missed all the guys' stories, all the guys' reasons why they're there, their intent. And that was important and, and played out to be important throughout the night and, and the mission. Um, so let's move past that because at some point we all kind of came on the same page. Uh, I was ribbon bean in that three-hour uh, conversation we had when he was driving home the next day. I said, you know, <clears throat> you were – you were the master of the ceremonies at that point and you were leading everybody uh, in thoughts and, and uh, how, how things were going to go. And he, he mentioned that I want everybody ready by five, no tents up, no nothing up. And I, I felt it being directed at me. Like I didn't have my crap wrapped tight enough that I could accomplish this. So at that point I was like, all right, I'm going to show this guy what's up. Uh, I'm ready for this. My tent's going to be down. I'm going to be the first guy waiting in line everything set to go. And uh, so that was really the moment of intent for me uh, to, to integrate into that group and to, to almost prove myself worthy to be there. 
um, when I, when I felt the, the next moment, the next morning, when you guys showed up, finally, uh, <clears throat> we were, uh, we were ready to go. And when we were in formation, uh, a double column formation, waiting to load onto the van, that was the first time I felt like all of us were on the same page together as 13 guys ready to take this plunge into the wilderness. Um, something you said tickled me. Look, it felt like you were getting ready to get back on a helicopter with a team. And man, that charged me up and, and made us, made me feel like the team had, had taken Bean's guidance, used those initial steps to get in, at least in the right direction, uh, looking like somewhat of professionals. And, and that's the standard I would like to hold myself to for the rest of the night. So let's keep cruising to, uh, to where I thought you guys got me. And uh, it, it kind of came in a couple spots. The first time that I heard I couldn't sit down, that crushed me, man. I was like, nobody told me that because I missed that in the meeting. And this was that morning. We're moving. And, and man, I've got foot care planned out. I've got all my bandages and my neosporin. And my, I'm ready to do this, man. I, I studied it. And uh, when you took that ability to sit, sit down and, and comfortably take care of some of those things, I was rocked because uh, I've put enough miles on my feet training that I know where my blisters show up. I knew exactly what toes to tape and where to tape them. And, and I pre-taped before we went um, thinking of what was going to happen, but you can't with the terrain that was going up and down, you, you can't count them all. So at some point early in the game, it had started raining and I knew I needed to do something about my big toe. And I, I took a kneel on the gravel and just said, whatever, took my shoe off, took my sock off and uh, dealt with it real quick because I had trained it and put my sock back on, adjusted my shoe a little bit, laced it a little bit differently. And, uh, you, you know, we, you gave us 10 minutes each rest stop to deal with whatever we had to deal with. And uh, that's not a lot of time when you've got three liters of water to fill, uh, hydration packets to deal with. You want a snack when you're there. You want to load your snacks up. So I kind of knew this was going to be a factor and pre prepared uh, four-hour meal packets and drinks for myself so that I could self-manage and didn't have to think about what I wanted to eat, wasting time on, on silly thoughts and, and efforts. That was all taken care of. So it was just a matter of grabbing this and going. And, and that allowed me time to take care of my feet. It allowed me time to, to deal with other people if, if that needed to be. And, and that's kind of what happened. The next real you got me moment was right before dinner. <laughs> and we marched down to that river. And Blake was sitting on the other side with the van. And I saw that we're going to have to, as a team, ford through this maybe foot deep water. Um, I knew for myself, not necessarily entirely for myself, but I knew as a team we were taking a huge blow right then and there. Standing around in wet feet for the rest of the night was going to be debilitating. And you knew that, and you designed that into this course. I know you did. <laughs> so uh, that was really the moment that it, it got hard. Um, and it, because it got hard equally for everybody. Everybody was immediately dealing with wet feet and the, uh, the morale tanked. Blake, you could tell that because uh, how much 
chicken was left over at the end. <laughs> a lot. And we didn't eat nearly what we should have ate because we were f- feeling bad for ourselves, man. Every single one of us. And I saw them, everybody moping around, wasting time, not really taking care of business. And I'm thinking to myself, man, we've got some problems going on here. We've been trading uh, our, our point guy, uh, Aaron, God bless him, man. He suffered from early, early on. Uh, Bean says from second quarter, but I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like maybe, maybe the tail end of the first quarter is when Aaron started struggling. And, and that dude is as tough as nails. And uh, we had been trading his backpack around the line for the better part of four hours and it was becoming fatiguing. Everybody was, was confused and didn't know when to pass it, how much weight they should take, when they should take it. And it was just becoming this cluster. And, and I recognized it. And, and that's when I, I called the squad leaders over cause they weren't really doing anything about it. And I, I had a little meeting with them and said, look, let's get this backpack unloaded, give him just his water and snacks, give him his backpack. So we don't got to trade it around a bunch. That'll save the whole team. And, uh, you know, you made some good suggestions, make sure his, his jackets and his, his uh, gear is accessible to him. So we divvied that up amongst his squad members that were up front with him in the hopes that they would recognize they need to uh, move those pieces of gear forward when they needed to be moved forward. And uh, everybody had their backpack on after the half hour thing and we were ready to go. The gear was uh, unloaded out of Aaron's pack and and i felt like we were making some progress with that uh we pushed forward all with wet feet and and i knew it was gonna it was gonna be tough man i had a lot of debris in my shoes uh in hindsight i probably should have taken better care of my feet but again with the no sitting rule it's a it's a risk if you take your shoe off to clear it out and you set your foot down you might just bring more into it mm. Uh, my feet were trashed at that point. I realized that uh, the water felt good on them. It cooled them off. Uh, all the blisters were kind of where they were. They were forming into my shoes. My socks were settled. My shoes were settled. The lacing was settled. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to mess with them because if I do, it's just going to cause more problems. We're more likely going to get wet again. And uh, let's just push on. So I just turned the feet off. Um, that was just, it had to be a, a non-issue for me because it was such an issue up front. Um, then it became the team. It was, you know, everybody, everybody's talking about me giving everybody strength and, and energy and, and power to move, but it was every single one of them who was feeding me. Uh, and it didn't have to be a positive feed. It could be a struggle. It could be watching someone slug forward at a pace but they're still moving. And that was feeding me uh, because I had plenty of energy to give. And, and I know these guys didn't. And I just, I wish I could somehow like push that to them, but I couldn't. So I just had to do it verbally and, and in, through encouragement. And, uh, and at some point it was uh, apparent that 13 men uh, aren't, who don't know each other, and haven't developed a, a deep level of trust yet, aren't necessarily going to be telling them the other 13 guys truth. And uh, there was a lot of deception going on 
based off of pride, ego, and uh, and just a a fear of letting the team down. And a lot of guys were starting to hide uh, their pain and suffering and their needs. And Bean was one of them. But there was a lot of guys who were doing it. And uh, any chance I got to, to ask someone who I suspected was having issues, what's up, what's going on, I got a lot of I'm good, I'm good. Uh, Majors was one of them. I kept checking in with him because he took so much responsibility as squad leader one. Um, it, it was, uh, I saw these guys putting too much more than they had to give, not making smart decisions based on, on their, their feeling that they had to get the rest of the team through and they weren't really taking care of themselves at the same time. So I was in a pretty middle of the pack position and it's, if you've traveled for any duration, you know that the middle of the pack is the easiest place to be. You don't have responsibility of leading. You don't have responsibility of keeping up the rear. Uh, you just follow the guy in front of you, and that's it. You can shut your brain off. And I conserved a lot, a lot by being in that position. And uh, I kept checking in with Bean. He mentioned his breathing. And uh, me being a, uh, a yoga practitioner from years past, recognize the importance of of breath and deep breath at that and uh i really liked what bean was doing with the breathing so i locked on to that so bean you gave me that strength and and i returned that to you over and over and over throughout the night because you forgot to do it for yourself <laughs> and if i had uh another wish i could go back and do i think i would have shared that breathing with the whole team and made the whole team take those deep breaths at the same time to because it really brings you back into yourself you can take that oxygen in and you can think about taking it all the way to the to the area that's affected and and that was just a, a basic breathing meditation technique that i learned in high school health class and uh, was reminded of it through beans what he's doing out there with his breathing. So I I'm taking stuff off every single one of these guys taking the, the what they're kind of just throwing out there, not knowing that they're giving. And I'm just kind of like a, a Velcro sponge at this point, taking everything that's, that's out there and we keep moving, we keep moving. And I keep asking Bean, keep breathing, keep breathing, Bean, keep doing this deep breath. And uh, I, I know the less he's doing it, the more he's suffering. And at some point I recognize he's, he's, it's been a long time since he's done this by will. And, uh, I've asked him a number of times to come up to my position and he's refused. And he, he just felt he had to be hard and, and kept, kept pushing that back position. I tried to, to switch him out a couple times and he just refused straight out. And at, at one time I said, all right, Bean, let me explain this to you. You're going to be in the middle here. You're going to be in between people. You're not going to have the pressure of being in the back. And I'm coming back. You don't have a choice. Uh, my swim buddy was good. He was, he was trodden on. So I, he was cool with it. And we still kept checking on him. But uh, I knew Bean needed some encouragement because uh, truth be told, Bean spent himself not on walking, not on physical. He spent himself mentally combating chad the whole the whole trip yeah, he was yeah. a warrior against chad bad chad um for those guys obviously 
none of you guys who are listening, except a, a few who are on the trip, don't know that Chad throughout the course was tempting us. And, uh, and Bean calls that bad Chad. And he was tempting us with 10-minute uh, rests where we could sit down if we could guess what time it was. And these were lies. I had, I had no expectation that Chad would ever let us rest or sit down for 10 minutes, even if we got the time right. I think he would just make fun of us uh, for being stupid enough to play that game. And, uh, and, and Bean was the warrior who fought that verbally, mentally, and physically, basically, the whole trip. And, and that's, I think, all of Bean's extra energy that he had went to fighting off Chad for the, for the betterment of the, of the team. I mean, the team would have been wrecked if Chad had got into the inside of, of our barracks and, and started, you know, stealing this or stealing that or just misplacing stuff. He could have wrecked us real bad as a team. And, and our first line of defense was Bean. So, you know, there's, there's, you guys can keep all the credit you want on me, but this was a 13 man team. And every single man played their role equally, period. Yep. Uh, and, and some tried more than others, and some had to try more than others, and, and some couldn't try anymore because they were physically wrecked from uh, a lot of us carry old injuries, surgeries, not little stuff. This is big stuff. And, uh, and we started sharing in that and, be, and drawing strength from that. But I'm convinced that Bean really wrecked himself fighting off Chad. So I knew I needed to give more to uh, more to Bean than than I probably recognized before. Um, and it also meant I had to start fighting off Chad myself. But but <clears throat> truth be told, fellas, uh, he wrecked his feet out on the Cocodona 250, and I knew he was suffering behind me pretty well. <laughs> I heard the, uh, he got the cocoa legs going. I heard that comment and I, I knew that dad was suffering bad. So it, it became a goal to keep being going, but oh. to keep Chad going. Oh, Brooks, he don't miss much, does he? <laughs> hey, when you hit that cocoa pace, you know it's got rough, son. You remember when he sat down, Brooks? Oh, no. Oh, no, man. no, no, no. He no. got to sit down out there? Yeah. Hey, let's not get uh, let's not get sidetracked. But uh, no, 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 no. Hey, we're we're gonna gonna shut that down. Let's tell the audience what hey, happened hey, right there. Leaning <laughs> up, <laughs> leaning up against an embankment is not sitting down. Yeah, Brooks remembers. You, you had a you had a backstop, man, to sit up back against, man. You were changing uh, I, your shoes and changing your socks and like, what's going on with Red Beard here, man? I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't tell you, gentlemen, you couldn't lean against a tree or lean against an embankment. I just said you couldn't sit down. You're he didn't right. say you You're couldn't right. put a rock under your butt and lean against a tree. He just said, yeah. don't sit down. Oh, man. No, that's great. Playing man. games out there. And uh, I, we all recognized it, but, but few of us wanted to play those games with him. And uh, like I said, he was suffering behind me, and I was hearing his whispers to Chili and and. and I knew something about the team uh, that could pick us all up, and that's laughter. Laughter is a huge, huge piece of a uh, – when, you, when you're negative, if you can laugh, you're going to be positive because there's just you're smiling and you're getting your oxygen's going and, and you're thinking about something else. 
And I knew that everybody on that, those 13 men that were out there all would recognize one laugh above all else. And that's Chad's laugh. So if I could get Chad to laugh about something, he would laugh so loud that the whole team would hear him and know that something funny was going on back there. And just through his, the, the sheer volume and, and hillbilly nature of his laugh that they would all take and feed from that. So it became a goal to, uh, to see how I could crack Chad up. And I don't know if I cracked him up or he cracked himself up <laughs> thinking about it, but we had a few moments that night that, that there was some bellows going on out there, some goofy stories and a little bit of singing, a little bit of, little bit of everything, man. We just, these guys needed a little taste of storytelling, a little taste of jokes. And, and as Chad opened this, uh, this podcast up saying this course was, was made for him. This course was made for me, man. This is my element. This is exactly what I just strive to do every day of my life is to have these hard challenges put in front of me with strong men and stronger leaders. If you want to train to be good, you train with people who are, your, who are better than you. And that's why I showed up to these guys because they had so much to offer me and, and uh, we had so much to offer each other. It was a really bonding experience for all the men. Uh, not just the 13 teammates, but the two instructors were brought into that team as much of team members as anything, because ultimately Chad didn't want to make any decisions that night. He wanted the team to, to come up with the solutions. And the only things he was responsible for was when we were neglecting our own duty to our teammates. And uh, in hindsight, I see that clearly now when and why we should have done things differently. Uh, and uh, that's good. That's growth. That's how you learn. You fail. And, and someone tells you you failed and they tell you how to do it right or they show you how to do it right or they point out when you started doing it right. And that's kind of what happened out there. We started doing it right. And, uh, and I realized that, man, Chad's quiet back there. He doesn't want to motivate anybody he's not going to coach anybody he's not going to do anything um so nobody else in the team was doing it and it was just it was time man it was dark it was beautiful it was peaceful uh the rain had subsided the, the insects and birds were chirping and it was magic man it was just glorious glorious the feet didn't matter the legs were going everybody was just moving and it, it was a beautiful thing and I soaked in every little bit of it and looked around and felt and absorbed nature and everything out there that night was mine for the taking. And I took it. Man, that's such a powerful, <laughs> I loved listening to that Brooks, just listening to you recount that, that experience. Um, and you know, <clears throat> That what you just described those those last moments that you just described not there at the very end but kind of leading up that that darkest part of the night when everybody was quiet including including me I was quiet on purpose because just like we talked about at the very beginning of this mission my vision for this thing that we all did together my vision for it 
what came to fruition in that moment. My vision for this is to give everyone who participates the opportunity to go through something hard, not because anyone's watching, not because there's hype, not because there's motivation, not because it's going to make a good social media post, not because there's a camera, not because anybody else in the world cares or sees what the crap you are doing, but just for the sake of doing it. That is the spirit of the rite of passage. Just for the sake of doing it for yourself, this is for you. Not for anyone else to see, not for anyone else to pat you on the back, not for anyone else to, to not, not for some instructor or somebody to come and, and acknowledge you, not for any of that. The spirit of the rite of passage is for the sake of doing it. And there's so much in life that is this way. Real grassroots endurance events capture this spirit. A lot of them do. They capture this, this spirit that I'm speaking of here. And I think it is the most translatable experience to real life. Many of the hard things that we go through in real life, the true difficulty, the true suffering that we endure that's outside of our control and we can't say stop, many of those moments in real life, the true spirit of those moments, what propels you forward is just sheer tenacity, sheer tyranny of your own will. It is not the camera. It is not the accolades. It is not the accomplishment. It is not the mileage. It is not the social media. It's nothing. It's just sheer the decision to continue to keep moving and to be able to capture that in this training exercise and experience that and feel that is exactly the environment that I wanted and I visualized creating for every one of you guys. And I'm so happy to hear that you recognized that moment, Brooks, and what that felt like and how you guys proceeded through it. It's beautiful to me. That, like I said, just all this coming to, 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 re, to, to be real after I, I've had this, all of this in my mind, even down to this detail of the spirit of the event and seeing it actually happen is so rewarding to me. And to hear it come from you, Brooks, uh, just solidifies it in my mind that, okay, this is accomplishing what it is supposed to accomplish. Exactly. So I want to take it on, uh, I want to take it on in to kind of the, 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 the final moments of, of your rite of passage, both Bean and Brooks, and the final, mo the final moments and, and, and through to the end and just, uh, you know, any last takeaways that, that you guys want to share with the listeners that will serve the listeners? Because a lot, look, man, there, there are tens of thousands of people who listen to this. A very, very small percentage will ever get the opportunity to do this. Because if you don't know something about us here at 307 Project is we don't like the idea of scaling, we like the idea of intimate, real experiences that, that aren't 
aren't mass produced. So a very small percentage of the listeners will ever get to do this. A even way, way, way smaller percentage will have the courage to even ever apply to do this. Um, so there are a lot of people listening who will never get to get to experience what you guys did on the rite of passage. So just take us on through the 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 final the kind of the final stages of our mission together and and, and through to the end and any last takeaways that, that you want to share with the listeners that that they might be able to take and and even without going through this take and grasp it and 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 have something extra to serve them in their day to day life. And I want to kick it off, let you let you share with us, Bean. Um, one of the questions that you asked us when we were coming to the end of our, our course <clears throat> and you're preparing us for our AAR when this was all done, the question was, what one single thing will you take away from this? I want you to start thinking about this, you know, now. And um, I had already had something brewing in my mind. There was a scripture that kept coming that was coming to my mind when I get a scripture, I just really pay attention. Cause I'm like, it's a spirit of God and it's working on me. Right. And, um, and it was, you know, most definitely because as I saw the, the finish line approaching, like Brooke said, it was very exciting. Uh, that seeing the sun rise that morning after being out there all night was a very special sunrise. Yeah. To be sure. Right. You, you literally march this thing, hike this thing for 24 hours through the night. I mean, it's something. Right. I mean, it was so powerful at the end for me. And I was at in the back. Right. That when we finished. And Chad gave the data. For what we had accomplished, because for the listeners, we were not allowed to take watches. We were not allowed to take cell phones. We had no way of knowing, you know, how far we had traveled or how much time had passed. That was all built into it, right? But when Chad gave the data, I just started crying. I don't know if anybody saw me, but I did. I started crying. There was a lot of things right at that moment when he was communicating that data that were going through my mind. I was thinking about people, certain people and um thinking a lot of different things right at that moment, thinking of the word of God. So it was a real, real powerful climax for me personally. Uh, and the one thing that I took away and is repeating in my mind is the idea of being prepared, being prepared at all times, be prepared. And it was really coming out of the scripture out of Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44, Jesus talks about a coming judgment that's coming on the world. It's the judgment of God. But those verses are really being emphasized to those that are unprepared. Unprepared. That there is a coming judgment coming to those that are unprepared. And he, in those verses, he talks about watching. A couple of times he talks about being ready another time and the whole spirit of the passage is you got advance notice be ready be ready be prepared as much as humanly possible 
for whatever life might come your way. Because as Chad mentioned just a moment ago, there is a type of suffering that happens in a life that you didn't sign up for. Well, I think we, we, we all go through this. There's some suffering that hits you. You didn't sign up for it. It's just, just the course of everyday living. And though you may not be prepared for it at that time, if you've already trained through various hardships that you intentionally enlisted for, like we did, because some will think that this is just crazy, it's nonsense, it's foolishness. Why spend your money on something like that? There are a lot of reasons to, to do so, but being prepared or preparing yourself as much as possible by going through an exercise of suffering and difficulty will, will pay off in various degrees when the time comes for you to suffer when you didn't plan on it you didn't plan on it you'll be able to go back to that well that uh, you 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 uh you dug early on and suffered and made sacrifices and went through the hardship and it prepared you prepared you a little bit better prepared you a little bit better and that's why i'm so grateful right to the 307 project they are preparing human people they're developing them right for life because life is not fair it's not fair it's not going to be so i'm i'm very thankful and that that is my biggest takeaway be prepared i, I told myself being you should have had two pairs of trekking poles <laughs> right and brooks you're correct it's very difficult to fight off the red beard <laughs> He's a man that wants to be. Yeah, but it's good. It's good. And it's, it's, it's a very good exercise. It's very good discipline. It's all very good. And, and I do. I would encourage anybody that is intrigued by it, that's on the fence and thinks, uh, hey, I think I want to do that, but I'm on the fence. Do it. Do it. I'm not going to kid you. It's hard. All right. It's, it's hard. And maybe for you, uh, it'll be the hardest thing you do in your life, like for me. But if... If, if you do so, you've been forewarned on this podcast, prepare yourself as much as possible, right? Maybe go out, do some running, some hiking, and look into footwear and things like that. Do all those things. Those are important. Don't go in ignorant because you'll just make it harder for yourself, right? Um, if I would have if, if I would have uh, known Brooks before this and known his backstory because he has experiences that I don't have, I would have been all over his brain. Uh Brooks knows that I'm going on some adventures in the month of August, and I'm already picking Brooks' brain because he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> God brought him into my life, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get from that well, man. Whenever I need some help on something, and and he's so open and so willing to give it away, and that's the spice of life right there. Suffering with another man, and that man remains there, and he's available to you to receive in the future. Money can't buy that. Amen. Money can't buy that. Amen, brother. There's a lot I can say about what you just said, Bean, but I'm going to kick it over to Brooks. All right. I, I think uh, rolling towards the end, everybody was moving. I, I knew we were going to finish as a team. That was never uh, a doubt in my mind, seeing everybody's commitment to it through the night. You know, the last, when, when light breaks, 
uh, everybody's spirit is absolutely 100% lifted. And, and it doesn't matter if they're sleepwalking like Aaron, which was a great, great section of that video. It cracked me up hard. But uh, what did I feel um, when you told us to, to find that single moment, Chad? It, that, that brought a tear to my eye right there because I knew it was almost over. And um, this has been a long journey for me. And it, it can be kind of summed up in, in that if you feel you're out of shape and you feel you can't do it, uh, where there is a will, there's a way. I was a, a turd to be put in Chad's terms. Um, and I heard that over and over every time I listened to you guys. Uh, you were talking to me. I was dying in the chair. Uh, I, I stand at work all day. I don't walk around. I don't exercise physically. I figure standing was enough, but it wasn't. And uh, when I chose to do this, uh, I had to make some changes to be able to even, in my mind, complete it. Um, I told you guys in my application, I have a L2 through L4 uh, fusion in my spine from a, a injury I received as a young man and had dealt with that the rest of my life on and off. And at that point in my life, when I signed up for that class, I was off. Um, 225, way overweight, physically unfit. Uh, my lung capacity was next to nothing. I went out for that first mile run like I had as a younger man, where I could just go out and run a mile and then go out and run another mile. And, and I crashed, man. I totally crashed. Uh, ankles hurt, legs hurt lungs hurt. I felt completely at loss with connection with my body and that scared me. And then the next day you come on a podcast and say, if you sign up for one of my classes, you better be ready. You better be wrapped tight. And that was the moment when I said, man, you got to get yourself together, Brooks. You can't show up as a turd to a class where the expectations from professionals are so high. You have to ha hold yourself to a higher standard. And at that moment, I said, all right, I can't run. I'm going to walk. So I started walking every day for a month. Lost a bunch of weight to the point where I could start running, reintegrated the running schedule, swam every day, started picking up physical, uh, you know, power, some, li some lifting type of, of help to, to work on the legs for the strength since I didn't have the train to work with. And like Bean said, preparation, preparation, preparation. I'm all about the seven Ps. And, and a lot of guys just know the six Ps. The six Ps, I'll give them to you quick. Uh, prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. That's the six Ps. I've learned the seven Ps. And the, the seventh is the most important. It's the first. Proper prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. The proper is the key there. If you're not training for that mission, you're, you're, you're just training for nothing. Um, I, I had to tune into this. I had to tune into my own body's needs and, and to, to even show up. So two and a half months later, I'm, I'm on my week before the ROP, right? This is Sunday night, probably. My hip goes out, my back locks up, and I don't know what to do, man. I can't stand up. I can't get off the floor. I'm laying on ice all week. I'm laying on uh, heat packs. I'm running the massage gun all over my back. Uh, Thursday night, I'm thinking to myself, man, 
I'm going to write these guys a note and just say, dude, I can't get up off the floor. I can't make a class. I can't let alone get in the car to drive up there. I was ready to quit before I even showed up. And uh, Friday morning rolls around. It loosened up a little bit, but man, it was still tight. I'm out there loading my truck up, this big ice thing with my ice pack in it. And I've got all my massage stuff there with me. My, and I was so scared. I was terrified. I had been in the pain cave for a week already. And I'm not even on the class yet. So it was more stress, strain, difficulty for me to even get myself there than it was to complete the course because I had gone through it all in my head already. I had beat myself down. I had doubted myself. I had quit in my mind and not quit. The choice not to quit was there. And I did not. I got in that car and I drove and I said, whatever happens, happens. If I'm the guy who slows the team down, so be it. And I was fortunate. Uh, everything lined up. Uh, the adrenaline took over enough to let the, the muscles loose, and, and it happened. But at that last moment, I knew that it was all ending, and that experience was over, uh, and the team was over. We had tightened up by the end. When we rolled in at that last – to the last van stop, everybody was – tight as tight to be and i was absolutely filled with pride and sorrow that it was over because it took all night to get there and i just wanted to keep going because we had finally got it yeah that's so hard man yeah i agree so that's it man <clears throat> yeah you uh i feel that every time Every time we finish up a mission, Brooks, I, I, I can really relate to how you feel. Uh, I felt it at Cocodana or Cocodona when we, we just did the race a, a few weeks ago with our team there. Uh, I feel it. I felt it with the team that we developed out on the ROP course. I felt it many times on the teams that we develop out on the basic course at the proving grounds. Um, that's the hardest part for, for me is, man, when you – experience that team coming together and functioning as a single organism and you are a part of it uh when you come to the moment where that is over man that's freaking hard like it's harder than the pain you're feeling you you don't want it to end not because you don't want the pain to stop but you don't want you don't want this thing that has happened this this th organism that has formed you don't want it to break apart because it just feels so it's so life-giving to be a part of it that's the hardest part when these things are done it was the hardest part when i finished cocodona it was the hardest part when you know we we come to the aar uh, at the end of the rock course and and I'm feeling the same way you guys are, are feeling I'm like I don't want to say bye but like we got to cut this off we got to and and a lot of times I at the end of these things I, I almost feel like me as an instructor um, I, I'm a little abrupt or abrasive just like Okay, it's over. Bye. That's the only way I know how to deal with it. It's like you gotta we gotta cut it off, guys. I know I feel the same thing you're feeling right now. 
but it's got to end, and that that's uh, that's tough. But thank thank God you guys are s- still communicating with one another. You're you're taking the relationships and and the 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 things that you guys have went through, and you're still talking to one another. You're calling one another. You you now have this resource that you can carry with you for as long as you're willing to to foster it and nurture it. So in, in, in a way, it's not over. But that singular, that singular moment, uh, breaking it up and everybody going their own way, man, it feels uncomfortable. I'm glad you brought that up. I just don't know how many humans have experienced that before. I think fewer people have experienced that feeling than I probably recognize because I get to experience it over and over and over and over again. It's a normal part of my life, being able to work with guys like you guys and everybody who was on Team One or the ROP course. But I think so many people probably go a lifetime without ever experiencing what that feels like to move fluidly as a single organism with these powerful humans surrounding you and becoming a literal unstoppable force because we could have kept going like you guys were at the point where I could have kept pushing you until someone literally physically collapsed you were at that point and that's the point that we're seeking and uh, it's an amazing feeling. That in and of itself is 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 worth it all to me. So thank you for sharing that, Brooks. Um, I want to go around real quick and just hit Chili and Blake one more time. If you guys, Blake, you've done a lot of talking on this podcast, so I want to hit you guys real quick. If you guys got anything else that you want to ask uh, Brooks or Bean or, or any comments or anything about whatever. No, I just want to thank them again for sharing um being willing to come on here and recap their experience i mean like we said earlier this to me i was almost caught off guard by how special i thought team one was me too yeah i mean all 13 i mean it took all 13 for it to be that special so uh, yeah i mean i would like you said i wish they could all come on here and speak but you can't have 15 people on a podcast but yeah no, that was um, that was a great weekend, and I'll just wrap it up by saying that um, I'm thrilled to hear that Brooks didn't want it to end because, to me, that's a sign of you were where you needed to be uh, that weekend. I mean, you were in your wheelhouse. That's what I told Chad when he finished Cocodona, and I mean. Let's get let's get it straight. Chad wanted that to be <laughs> to be over on many levels, but he also, you know, a, a part of him that that's it's like, man, this is what I want to do, and now it has to be, you know, now it's over. But like that that's when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and, yeah. and what you really, you know, is when you get that feeling. So yeah, it sucks to have that feeling, but it's a sign that you're in alignment. To a degree, I think I think when with what you're supposed to be doing, so then you just uh, you recover from that one and do it again. Yeah, your training is never complete. You're exactly right. right. You're exactly right. So that's what I want to leave with them. All thirteen of uh, Team One is 
it doesn't stop here. So, yeah, I didn't get to spend near the time you guys did with the team running support, but uh, the things that stuck out to me were just how invested every you know the whole team was in the in the mission and actually gleaning uh, takeaways from it that translate into real life. Just because because what you guys have said the whole time is that's why we train. Bean put it very well. You know when we suffer untimely or unexpectedly, then that's why we're suffering in these controlled environments. And so yeah, that everybody in the AAR would say, this is, you know, I'm coming out of this a different person, a better person with these takeaways. And uh, to know that that happened on the course, that's then I'm satisfied. So uh, that that was something that I was looking for everybody to have gotten and, and everybody shared that to some degree. So that, that stood out to me. I'll actually say one more thing just for me, uh, for – We've talked all about team one. I want to say one thing for team two and any future team is you pro- probably, I'd say everyone listen to this or most, not everyone, but have heard Chad say that the hardest part is showing up. It's actually not true. The hardest part is showing up prepared. Yeah. Like what Bean was talking about. Properly. Like, yeah, properly. It's actually pretty easy to show up. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty easy, actually. But it's really hard to show up properly prepared. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Anybody who's going to come train with us or anybody who's going to go do anything, that, that that's the way you should look at it. So Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, and, uh, yeah, the one thing that was really impactful to me was looking at Brooks um, before and after photo of Brooks, you can see this man changed. You can see, like, my wife took the photo before of Brooks and after, and I get back from this mission, and she's like, did you see those two photos? Like, something happened to him. Like, it's it's like you can see it in the photograph and he summed it up so well in his AAR points of uh, th- this something just melted away from him, and he got to the he got to touch back base with uh, who he is as a, as just a powerful, amazing human being. And not that he wasn't before the ROP course; obviously, he was. He's got a wealth of knowledge and experience. But if you want to see something, I, I wish Brooks would post at some point i don't know where he posts that but the before and the after shot of him because it's amazing just the tra- the visible transformation in his face that can be seen that was super powerful for me to see that this is why we do what we do man is for for people like these men this is this is why we do what we do it just man it just fills me up so completely uh, I felt amazing the last couple of days because of what you guys did. Um, and I can't thank you enough. And Bean, I cannot thank you enough. And listeners, I got something for you after Bean and uh, Brooks log off. I got something for you, so stay tuned. But Bean, I can't thank you enough for being my brother in Christ on such a deep level for what you've poured into me personally through your words and and um, your wisdom and your testimony, uh, your testimony is 
one day I want to have you on the podcast in, in person just to talk about um, what you have uh, what you have been through and what you have experienced and, and what you do on a day-to-day basis because uh, the first time I ever heard you speak at the Proving Grounds in an AAR and you got touched base with, with your story, it was just just unbelievably impactful and to be honest with you being your story makes me treat my makes me be a better man and husband and leader to my wife it changes my your story changes my day-to-day life and when i spend time with you I go back home and I am a better husband, leader, servant to my wife uh, than I was before. Every time I spend time with you, I, I, I go back home a better man. I want you to know that you're doing that for me. And I can never thank you enough. And Brooks, I can never thank you enough for coming into my life and, and, and also being my, my brother in, in Christ and and Brooks I don't know where you are with your with your faith right now but I know you kind of touched on it a little bit um, there at the end and you're a powerful man brother yep. and Christ has a calling on your life to to be exactly who you, who he created you to be because it's extremely special and I just love you, man. And spending time with you is also life-giving. Spending time around you, listening to you, uh, your humor, your your stories, your just who you are. The essence of who you are is life-giving. And um, that's not something I say about everyone. Trust me. No. Very, 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 very few people that you can say that about. So... Um, I'm going to let you guys log off, and uh, i got a few more things for the listeners to wrap up the show. I love both of you guys. We love you, man. Congratulations, Chad. <sighs> Thank you, bro. Love you, man. Love you guys. Thank you for the kind words, yep. Chad. Love y'all. All right, guys. That was a, one of my favorite conversations we've ever had on the podcast, probably, personally. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you got some takeaways from it. Um, if you're interested in doing a ROP course, uh, you can send in an application if you want to at 3of7ROP at Gmail. I'll attach the email in the show notes of this episode telling us who you are, why you want to train. Because this was so impactful to me, as an instructor, and I saw what it actually did uh, for the the team and for the men that showed up there. And by the way, this opened to women too. Um, because it's so impactful, I did put two more of these courses on the calendar because the rest of the missions are sold out. Um, but I did put two more on the calendar. If if you if you if you want to join on one of these, 
the two new the two new ones will be July twenty one through twenty three, and October twenty seven through twenty nine. And so initially, we only put three of these on the calendar. They sold out immediately. I wanted. I told Blake. I said we got to run one of these and just see if it does what it's supposed to do, what I think it will do, if it accomplishes the work that we wanted to, wanted it or expected it to accomplish, and then we'll talk about doing a few more. But I want to see what happens. And what happened was powerful to me and to, to everyone involved. And so that's why we decided to put two more of these on the calendar and squeeze them in there. So that's where we're at on that. Um, so that's a wrap, boys. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope to see you one day at a Rob course. <laughs> <laughs> hope to get to know you guys better. All you guys that listen. Thank you. Enough said. <laughs>